0: It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now, here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. A former bank CEO was arrested this week for allegedly attempting to loan $16 billion to Paul Manafort in order to buy a position within the Trump administration. What is this world coming to that our bank CEOs don't even know who to bribe anymore in order to get a spot in the Trump administration? This is tragic. This poor guy apparently needs to take lessons, for instance, from our current Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson, who this week continued to demonstrate that he knows absolutely nothing about the department that he leads and makes us think once again about how he managed to buy his position within the Trump administration. Anyway, welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I am David Leventhal. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing Robert Mueller's first and possibly only public pronouncement about his eponymously named report, Looking at it and other breaking news in the context of my two favorite subjects, the vast gulf between the two political parties in this country and the vast right-wing propaganda machine that feeds the insanity that creates that gulf. We've been talking about Trump's various wars over the last few weeks, and this week he declared another one. As the New York Times article pointed out, Trump declares war on climate change. Well, don't get excited if you're prone to. He didn't actually declare war on climate change, of course. What he did was declare, no sh- declare war on the notion that climate change exists. In other words, he declared continuing war on science. Yes, at a time when much of the South is inundated by flooding, the President of the United States chooses to rush to their defense by attacking the very notion that they are suffering from climate problems. Let's talk here about the vast gulf between the two political parties while our governing political party is defending the destruction of the planet as we know it the opposition political party is proposing that we do something about actually preserving the planet's health in particular one candidate senator bernie sanders you may have missed this because the media has been busy of course covering rallies he attended 40 years ago but presidential candidate bernie sanders undoubtedly reflecting the position of all or most of the other democratic nominee proposed nominees has suggested that we, in fact, stopped subsidizing oil and gas companies. Now, you may not be familiar with that aspect either. You say, it's bad enough that we're destroying the planet. We're actually paying taxpayer dollars to oil and gas companies to profit off of the destruction of the planet. And Bernie Sanders has the radical but seemingly modest proposal of actually stopping doing that. This also puts us in mind of a discussion the last couple of weeks regarding abortion. As we go to air on today's show, it is likely that Missouri, the state of Missouri's last abortion clinic, will be closing. That's right. I talked last week and the week before about the fact that the Supreme Court should not be expected to overturn Roe v. Wade and will likely not overturn Roe v. Wade. They don't need to overturn Roe v. Wade to get what they want. And to spark, perhaps, that kind of a backlash. They'll just continue to chip away at it and allow a situation where the right to an abortion that Roe purported to guarantee will be all but a pipe dream for most of this country anyway. Like it will be very shortly, or already is in Missouri and many other states in this country. In the Republicans' continuing war on reality, we don't need to overturn Roe v. Wade to utterly destroy it. No offense to the St. Louis Blues, who are currently vying for a Stanley Cup championship, but fuck you, go Bruins. Anyway, speaking of wars, as you undoubtedly know, the USS John McCain, a Navy destroyer, and its crew were viciously attacked this week in Japan. No, not by any enemy of the United States, well, from without, but from the whiny snowflake-in-chief president and his minions. Yeah, and we call liberal snowflakes. Yes, Trump says that he wasn't the one who made the John McCain disappear because it wouldn't look good at one of his appearances. No, he didn't do it. It was just his minions who was doing it for him. People who he effusively praised for thinking of the president's snowflakes, delicate sensibilities that he might have to be standing in front of something that said John McCain on it. This is a reminder, among other things, about how collusion works in corporate America and apparently in politics. You know, collusion related to conspiracy, wink, wink. Trump says, I didn't do this. But of course, all the people who are doing his bidding kind of know what he wants and get praise for it once they do it. He doesn't have to collude. He doesn't have to conspire. Everybody knows how the game is played. Wink, wink. Get it? But it's bad enough that this snowflake-in-chief is of such delicate sensibilities that he can't even be seen to be appearing in front of his ship with the name of someone he doesn't like. Someone who actually, you know, showed up for war when President Bonespurs managed to avoid it. It went way beyond that. He shunned the crew. They wouldn't even let the crew show up for the events that were planned. It might say USS John McCain on their uniforms, after all. And this is a reminder, once again, that no matter how much one side in this country seems to have a monopoly on wrapping itself in the United States flag, or, in the case of the snowflake-in-chief, actually trying to hump the United States flag on stage, the fact is that it is the Republican Party in this country that has always hated America and the people within it. Wiping the USS John McCain and its crew completely out of the picture is just another example of the doctoring of reality that is the staple of Republican Party politics today. Speaking of doctoring reality, here's another story you're undoubtedly already at least casually familiar with, and that is that Trump and right-wing media has gone after Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi by, by sending around doctored videos of her speaking to make her look like she's stumbling and bumbling and suffering from some kind of mental illness. Oh, sound familiar? She's getting what we could call the Hillary Clinton treatment. It is pretty disgusting that you have right-wing media outlets such as Fox News that will air blatantly false doctored videos to send a message the complete opposite of what is actually going on. The fact that the President of the United States would then take those doctored videos and retweet them and disseminate them further, bald-faced lies. Okay, I understand. We're two-something years into Trump's presidency. The idea that this son of a bitch would be spreading lies in order to promote his political success and agenda shouldn't be surprising to anybody. But still, at some point, you get these examples, and it's it's hard to think anything other than impeachment. This sick fuck needs to go to prison. He needs to rot in prison for the rest of his disgusting, sick fucking life. This is the president of the United States. It cannot be said enough, and I don't even say it enough. This is the president of the United States who blatantly lies to the American public. Again, you can't be shocked by this, but you sure as hell need to continue to be angered by it. You can't become inured to it as we all have become. Well, it's just it's, it's a lie from the President of the United States, but, you know, it's Trump, so it's just one of a dozen today. Maybe it's also a sign, by the way, of how much her bitch he really is. One, how unbelievably scared of her Trump and the Republicans are. And two, maybe, maybe this is giving her too much credit, but maybe this is an example of the fact that she's playing chess while he's playing checkers and playing it badly. We've talked on this show, as many people have been wondering about, as Pelosi and Schumer, have the Democratic leadership done the right thing by reaching out to work with Trump on infrastructure? to possibly give him a success, a major success, as we head towards the 2020 election. I said that it's the wrong thing to do. We should not be increasing this guy's re-election possibilities. But we also knew that there was no chance this was going to end up actually happening. And so is this an example of Pelosi being smart enough, maybe, like she is with impeachment? To know where this is ultimately heading and to make it perfectly clear that the president is the architect of all this. Maybe another example of just how she has this guy dancing on the end of her string, so to speak. But let's go back to the really scary part here, which is the right wing media that will be doing this. Fox News. A news channel watched, in many cases, by millions of Americans, the most popular all-news channel, once again demonstrates that they are just blatant liars. Fox News did this with the help of lots of other right-wing media. It is a huge difference between the left and the right, and let's not forget that. This would not happen on MSNBC. They might get things wrong on MSNBC, but they would not spread doctored video. They would not lie to get what they want. And the reason for that, I think there's at least two reasons for that. One is they're not fucking scum, which is the case of the people who are on and running Fox News at this point. But two, when you have facts on your side, you don't need to do this shit. And the fact is one party is right. On basically every issue confronting this country and this world right now, the other party has nothing to fall back on but lies. And this is—I'm sure you've heard a of plenty. Of the finally a little bit of a crack in the wall, perhaps. I'll be interesting to see if anything comes of this. But the first Republican Congressperson, Justin Amash, came out and said, "We should be impeaching this guy." I've read the Mueller report. It is clear he is a criminal. Well, of course, the first question is, is this a crack in the ice and will further cracks develop? Another reason why Democrats shouldn't presume what the outcome is going to be and in fact should impeach and let the chips fall where they may. I was reminded this week that when impeachment of Richard Nixon started, about 18% of the American public supported it, way less than support Trump's impeachment even at this point. But Beyond that, what was interesting about the announcement by Amash that he was supporting impeachment is when he gave this speech to his constituents about why he was doing it, how many of them, still supporting President Trump, by the way, because he is, after all, the cult leader, how many of them pointed out how they were shocked to hear that there might have been implications of criminal misconduct in the Mueller report because everything that they had heard had just indicated that the Mueller report exonerated the President of the United States. This is what happens when you confine yourself to right-wing media, or you stay within the cult. And one has to ask again, how does a putative democracy, how does a so-called democracy, survive when so much of its public are not just uninformed, but utterly and completely misinformed about what is going on in their own country and what it is that they are expected to be voting about. Anyway, that brings us to the main topic today. Robert Mueller speaks. The special counsel for the first time since he was appointed, since his investigation began, Mueller has spoken publicly. And what did Mueller say in his almost 10-minute statement about his report? What he said essentially was, you know this impeachment thing exists, right? He he told us all, read the report. And the report makes it really clear that the president obstructed justice. In fact, what he basically said for almost 10 minutes, could I be any clearer? And of course, the answer to that question is, well, yeah, actually, you you, you really could have been. Um, You, you really, I've pointed out on the show before, you really should have recommended an indictment. You really should have pursued this a little bit further, you should have understand where Congress and where this country is right now. And that we didn't need somebody to just lay out the evidence. We really needed somebody to take our hands and guide us home. So you could have been clearer. Nevertheless, what he was saying is, come on people, read the report and wink, wink, you really got to impeach this guy. But okay, he essentially says, I know that you're really not going to read the report. So let's go over go over a couple of highlights and let me see if I can kind of nudge you in the right direction here. And let's see here at Forwardation if I could help fill in some of the blanks here and read between the lines. First, let's start talking about what he said about Russian interference because he started off his speech talking about the whole idea of Russian interference in the election. And here's some of what he said, as alleged by the grand jury in an indictment, Russian intelligence officers who are part of the Russian military launched a concerted attack on our political system. The releases were designed in time to interfere with our election and to damage a presidential candidate. In case you don't know that, the presidential candidate it was designed to damage was Hillary Clinton. The presidential candidate who was designed to put into office was the son of a bitch currently occupying the position. You know how Trump has been saying for years that Russia did not interfere in an election? Maybe it was a fat guy sitting on a couch somewhere. Maybe it was China. Maybe it was anybody other than Russia. Remember how we talked about believing Vladimir Putin when Putin said that he didn't do it? Let's focus on the fact that this is the president of the United States who's supposed to be representing the interests of the United States. And he's clearly not. Okay, Mueller went on to point out that the matters we investigated, a hostile foreign powers collusion or interference in a U.S. election, the matters we investigated were of paramount importance. And read between the lines here, what Mueller's saying is, but not to Trump, not to the president of the United States. It was of paramount importance to anybody who cares about this country, and that clearly excludes the president of the United States. Mueller said Russian election interference deserves the attention of every American. Except, of course, the President of the United States. This gives us a chance to reminisce back a couple of weeks ago. And once again, to mention former Homeland Security Chief Kirstjen Nielsen back in Norway looking for white people. And how she laughed talked about how she wanted to investigate russian interference efforts regarding the 2020 election but was told that she couldn't do that and she couldn't even bring up the issue the issue of a hostile foreign power corrupting a u.s election she could not even bring it up with the president of the united states president snowflake he of such sensitivity that he cannot even be exposed to anything that might question his legitimacy as president of the united states no by protecting him from such difficult and vexing issues as the obstruction of U.S. presidential elections allows President Snowflake to focus on our real threats, like the USS McCain. And of course, you've heard this week about Trump's tweet regarding Russia helping his election. The fact that the President of the United States seemed to have sent out a tweet admitting that that Russia helped with his election before pulling it down. Well, I actually am among the people, he may not have, I, I looked at what his initial tweet was and he may not have meant to really say that he believes that Russia interfered in our election and helped him and helped him to get elected. He may not have meant what his tweet seems to so obviously indicate. And that of course, again, comes down to his defense of, I am too fucking stupid to be responsible for anything that I do or to be held to account. And I actually believe that. As I talked about on our show last week and many times before, I truly think the man is an absolute moron. He is, after all, just a fat guy sitting on his couch trying to obstruct a U.S. presidential election. Anyway, the key part, of course, that Mueller got into was the obstruction. That's where the crimes were obviously committed and Trump needs to be impeached and spend the rest of his life rotting in a dungeon somewhere. As Mueller pointed out, when a subject of an investigation obstructs that investigation or lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of their government's effort to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. Not just speaking of Trump, but many of the people that he had indicted. He went on to say, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. This was already language from the report that we've all focused on. Mueller once again thought that he needed to bring that to our attention. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. The fact is, you should have said that you had evidence that he did commit a crime. But if you want to give yourself a pass here and say, well, we made it perfectly clear that there was no evidence that he didn't commit a crime. And by the way, take a look at all the evidence we lay out for him having committed a crime. Well, we can all focus on that. And for now, at least, Forget how Mueller dropped the ball, because with with your statement and looking back at the report, it is clear again that Mueller's dropping of the ball looks clearer than ever. He noted, we did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. And of course, we all have to ask, why the hell not? Why didn't you make that determination? Isn't that basically what you were hired for? You don't just lay out the facts and then ask a Congress, which is completely incapable of doing anything, to take the ball and run with it. You need it as an investigator to do a little bit more than that. He pointed out that under long-standing department policy, a president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Well, let's start by defining the word long-standing. Under long-standing department policy, by longstanding, what he means was there basically was one opinion written decades ago and pretty much never followed since. So longstanding policy makes it sound a lot more set in stone when it, than it really was. And a lot of people were pointing out that this policy was a not set in stone, not really agreed to by the Justice Department, was just a, a snapshot of what the Justice Department was feeling at that time a long time ago. And that, in fact, it should have been put to the test. And he could have recommended an indictment if the Justice Department then decided that it was going to apply this policy and, and not follow through with the indictment and leave it up to Congress. That was for it to decide, not for Mueller to decide. As far as him not answering any questions, his dropping the ball, left out was the idea that he didn't call Donald Trump to testify, even though they knew that his written answers were lies. He didn't call Trump Jr., DJ, to come testify, even though they know that he had already lied and would clearly have further perjured himself if he were asked and required to speak to the special counsel. He points out, Mueller does, in his short speech, that investigation of the President of the United States is clearly permitted under U.S. law. Just not a statement of what to do with that investigation apparently. And then he follows up with this quote. And second, the opinion says that the constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. And depart, beyond department policy, we were guided by principles of fairness. It would be unfair to potentially it would be unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there could be no court resolution of the actual charge. That is really tendentious. That is really self-serving. If it is in a, first of all, let's start, if it is inappropriate for you to charge, it is sure as hell inappropriate for the defendant to exonerate him or herself. But if that, of course, is exactly what you left open. More on that in a moment. But before that, the president can be charged. as you point out and wink, wink, nudge, nudge in your speech and in your report, The president can be tried. He's just not, according to Justice Department policy, if that were going to be followed, not going to be tried in a court of law. He would be tried in the House of Representatives. So he will have the opportunity, if it comes to that, to get a resolution of his actual charge or charges against him. Just because we've changed the venue for the trial doesn't mean you don't get to have a trial. Or you don't get to raise the evidence and support and point out that an indictment is warranted. But going back to the idea of inappropriate for you to charge, inappropriate for the defendant to exonerate here. Mueller threw out some nice words for the attorney general. We respect the fact that he decided to release most of the report to the American public. Um. While at the same time he was exonerating the president from charges that Mueller felt he couldn't even raise under the circumstances. In other words, I think this is Robert Mueller's I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him moment. His Mark Antony moment from uh, Julius Caesar. I come to bury him, not to praise him and then proceed to bury his opponents. I'm here to praise the Attorney General for those couple of nice things he did, while let's also point out, at least implicitly, that he is Trump's bitch and he is involved in a cover-up of the President's criminal responsibilities. The final words from Robert Mueller on that sort? I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments, that there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Once again, reminding us that the President of the United States may want to focus on this. And if the President of the United States chooses not to focus on the stealing of potential U- of future U.S. elections, then maybe the American public should consider what that means. Maybe should maybe Congress should apply that to discussions of whether the President should be impeached. Mueller took pains to point out that he doesn't want to testify. He hopes and expects that this will be the end of his public testimony on the subject. But it becomes clearer than ever that Mueller needs to testify. Fortunately, it may not be his decision whether or not he testifies. Mueller points out that it is important that the office's written work speaks for itself. As someone with a bit of a legal background, let me point out that that's simply not the way the law works. The law never just speaks for itself. The law always needs to be applied, and we always need to understand what the background is. In order to help us interpret laws, for instance, we often look at the legislative history or speak to the legislators who enacted the laws to ask what they had in mind. In this case, that would mean talking to Robert Mueller and the people on his staff about what motivated the decisions that they made. So, of course, in the wake of Mueller coming out and basically pointing out that the president needs to be impeached, Sarah, the huckster comes back on the scene. Yeah. She hasn't completely disappeared and said, well, Robert Mueller decided not to do any, not to charge the president or bring anything. So it's all left to the attorney general and the attorney general has cleared the president. So we're done. Let's move on. In other words, the defendant has gone out publicly and said the defendant did nothing wrong. So let's move on here. Thus basically destroying the entirety of U.S. criminal law. This is again an example of the impact of right wing propaganda. The fact that Sarah the Huckster could say stupid shit like that and get away with it. Because this is what the brain dead faithful are doing by turning by watching Fox News, by listening to right wing radio. The Attorney General has cleared the president. Therefore he's cleared. Let's just move on to the next story. The fact that the first 12 things we've told you have all proven out to be proven to be false is no reason why you should question in any way shape or form the 13th thing that we are now telling you. Meanwhile, Democrats continue to employ their strategy to avoid the partisanship label to make sure that once they impeach and impeachment is looking more and more inevitable every day, Get off your asses, Democrats, and just do it already. Show some balls, take some control, and impeach. Take what Robert Mueller is throwing out to you, take the bone, and run with it. But Democrats are trying to avoid the partisanship label. When will Democrats learn that they will never avoid the partisanship label? That is not the way our media works. It is certainly not the way right-wing media works. In this country. And we've got a couple of really great examples this week of how this bullshit about the partisanship label is something that Democrats worry about and not the other side. And the first one is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell this week being asked if, in the final year of Trump's presidency, if there were to be a Supreme Court vacancy, would he fill it? And his answer, of course, was we will fill it. We will fill a vacancy in the final year. He almost tried to make some effort to show how that was consistent with the position he took in Obama on Obama's fourth year. But it's irrelevant. Because there is no principled position that McConnell can refer to. He had this little smirk when he said, I will fill the position, which basically is saying to the entire world. It says to the Republican base, don't worry we don't give a shit about anything but winning, and you love us for it. And it says to everybody else, we don't give a shit about anything but winning, and you won't do anything to us about it. Ha <laughs> ha Well, let's say I was asked, what would you do if there were a, a vacancy for the senior Senate seat in Kentucky, the one currently filled by Mitch McConnell? Now, I'm not calling for any violence. I do not believe in violence. But if there is a benevolent deity, maybe she will decide to send Mitch McConnell to hell. We can hope. Anyway, uh, what would you do if there were an opening in Mitch McConnell's seat? Well, I'd throw a fucking party because it would mean, at least temporarily, there were one fewer absolute pieces of shit in the United States Senate than there are right now. Public's no, notions of bipartisanship were also on full display this week with regard to the citizenship question on the census. You will all recall, of course, that Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross proposed adding a citizenship question on the United States Senate. Current, the question is currently in front of the United States Supreme Court for the purpose of undercounting Democratic voters and reinforcing minority power for the Republican Party, the only chance that they're ever going to have to hold on to power in the future. Well, we've known for a long time that that's the reason. It's been obvious that that's the reason why they did it. But Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross went to Senate and lots of other places and lied, committed perjury about where it came from and whether or not this was something that came through the White House and was coordinated with the White House to promote Republican voters. And so much so, we've known for a long time that Ross had already lied about that. He's had to backtrack on his statements and admit that he has, in fact, coordinated with the White House, although they refuse to turn over documents or testify as to what exactly that coordination was. To this day, they are still obfuscating and covering it up, you know, obstructing justice on this one as well. So this week, it turns out we just had a bit of a bombshell, this case demonstrating what anyone with any sense, people not part of the brain dead cult already knew or people not part of the supreme court maybe that's the same thing already knew. Thomas B Hofeller, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that accurately, but fortunately he's dead, so who gives a shit how he pronounce his name? Thomas Hofeller achieved near mythic status in the Republican party according to the New York Times article as the Michelangelo of gerrymandering. <laughs> Isn't that great? Piece of shit. The architect of partisan political maps that cemented the party's dominance across the country. A hero in Republican Party for being a son of a bitch who prevents voting in America. That's what it means to be a Republican. Well, this piece of shit finally had the decency to die. And when he died, it turns out that his daughter, from whom somehow he was estranged, went through some of his computer stuff and found out, to make a long story short, that he in fact was the one who initiated the whole idea of keeping Republican the Republican Party in power by adding a citizenship question to the census and allowing them to draft even more extremely gerrymandered maps. He was the architect of this, and it really wasn't about promoting the Voting Rights Act. Yes, that's right. That's what we've been told by the Trump administration. Again, with one of those smirks, which is, yes, we are blatantly lying to you, but that's the way we roll. We don't get in trouble for our blatant lies. They said that they were adding the citizenship question to help them better enforce the Voting Rights Act, the act that they're doing everything they can not to enforce, again, in an effort to ensure that Republicans maintain minority power in this country. But that's the world of lies that we live in. The Republicans can just say whatever the hell they want and get away with it because they've got a whole propaganda machine watching their back. Well, looks like we've got another name added to the list of those needing to be impeached. Wilbur Ross can join Trump and many others in his cabinet. Anyway, that's the depressing news for this week. We'd love to tell you we're excited to have better news next week, but we're not right-wing news. Anyway, see you next week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.